Jesus, thank you for this moment. Thank you for, um, yeah, God, this, this time, this opportunity to be here. Thank you for those who are here with us in the building and those who are online with us. Uh, we pray, God, you would speak, you would meet us, you would do your work that only you can do here in this place. And so we just breathe deep, we rest in your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is a, a bit of a strange week for me. Um, I was coming into this week, uh, Chad was scheduled to preach, and um, unfortunately he got sick with COVID this week and tested positive on Wednesday, and so he's doing all right. He just has an absolutely no voice, and so you don't want him to preach. So that means I got thrown in, you're stuck with me this morning. But I really wrestled this week. Typically I have a few weeks notice to kind of just think about and start kind of you know, tossing around some ideas in my head, and my heart, and I really wrestled this week with what to share because it's an awkward in-between kind of week where we finished a series that we were in for a few months just a couple of weeks ago, and we have a new series starting in, in a couple of weeks, and so it's kind of this weird in-between space, and it means that there's just a totally blank canvas with what to share on. And that maybe sounds great in theory, You're like, well, just share whatever's on your heart, but it's actually much harder when there's no structure whatsoever. It's like going to the grocery store just to buy a bag of chips, just any old chips, and you get into the chip aisle, which is a kilometer long, and you're just like, there's deals, and there's brands, and there's flavors, and there's all sorts of things, and you end up standing there just paralyzed, overwhelmed by the amount of options for 15 minutes, or at least that's what I do. And so that's how I felt a little bit this week, just wondering which way to go. But I was reminded this week of a series we did last June. Uh, if you were with us, you maybe remember, we spent four weeks in a series called Hindsight, Reflections for Our Future. We took four weeks to sort of look back on the past year and think through what we had learned, what God had taught us, some of the things that kind of stood out over the past year to um, inform how we move forward into the coming year. We debated calling it Hindsight 2020, but that was just like a notch one bit too cheesy for us, so we, we nixed that. But I really like this idea of hindsight because if we're honest, most of us don't actually do this often. We don't really look back very often. We look forward a lot, right? We're in Kelowna, so we start planning for the summer in like you know, November. Um, we start planning our camping trips and our time off and our vacations and all of this. Um, we're always looking forward to what's next, to what's coming. Rarely do we look backwards. But the people of God have always looked backwards. And there's great wisdom in looking back. It's actually a command to, to remember. Like God commands the people to actively bring to mind what he had done. To look backwards. To not forget how he had moved, how he had spoken, what he had done. And so I want to revisit this idea, reflecting on the past year with you. A lot has happened in the past year. Um, I did a very brief Google search on like what events made the news. There are too many. But let me just summarize a few and just kind of refresh your memory on a few of the big ones, global and local, that sort of made the news and touched down in our lives. 
Last summer in July, if you remember, we had a heat wave. I learned this week that it's now called the heat dome. Um, it, it, temperatures were insanely high. My air conditioning bill, I'm still recovering from that summer. Um, but temperatures were so high. I learned this week actually that um, uh, almost 600 people died from the heat wave in BC, either in hotels or at home. Of course, with the heat wave, we had a number of forest fires, as we always seem to have in the Okanagan and in BC in particular. Just over a year ago was the first finding of unmarked graves at a former residential school in Kamloops with findings continuing to grow um, over the course of the year and across the country to this day. In October, um, Mark Zuckerberg, everyone's favorite guy, introduced us to the metaverse, which nobody understands what that is or means at all to this day, but we like the sound of it, sort of. Uh, in November, we also learned of a new term, an atmospheric river, which was, caused massive flooding in the lower mainland in Merritt and washed out many parts of the Coquihalla, as you probably know. Last fall, we had a snap federal election that happened. And in the winter, we, now had, we had the now infamous trucker convoy drive across the country, which obviously did not spark any strong opinions or feelings whatsoever among any of us. We also learned of a new variant, Omicron, in the fall, which caused a massive spike in cases and forced restrictions to come back in. I know many of you caught COVID this year, um, not in 2020 or even necessarily in 2021, including myself and my wife and our four-month-old son at the time, which was really scary. In the last year, we watched a giant cargo ship get stuck in the Suez Canal. Remember that? That was fun. Uh, like the biggest ship you've ever seen in your life, stuck for weeks, it felt like caused all sorts of supply chain issues that have only gotten worse to this day, as you probably also know. More recently, though, in the last few months, sports and events and concerts and even worship gatherings came back without restrictions, I think, entirely, um, which has been really amazing. This allowed us to watch the Toronto Maple Leafs lose another first-round series at home. Too soon, too soon for some of you, still recovering. Uh, in the last uh, just few weeks, we hit all-time record prices in gas in BC. I wrote this on Thursday. It was $2.33, and I checked this morning, and we had already broken the record. Um, in the last few months, Russia invaded Ukraine. There were a slew of mass shootings in the U.S., including some even just this week. And Kelowna's rent spiked by 21% year over year, making it the third most expensive city to live in. How are we doing? You breathing? Do we need like a coffee jolt, an espresso or something just to like hand out? Uh, a lot has happened in the last year. So much has happened in the last year. That's just a very brief summary, not to mention all that you went through personally. There's a number of significant events that we felt and experienced personally. But we do well to look back and reflect on the past year. And so today's a little different. I'm not preaching from a particular text of scripture. I'm not going to like exegete or, you know, have some sort of expository sermon. If you're upset about that, you can email Chad J at the house online. He would love to receive your email this morning as he lays in bed. Um, but we are going to look back on what happened and what we learned uh, personally and as a team here on the past Year. We don't have four weeks, but I do have four abbreviated points to share as I contemplated and prayed through the last year this week. The first point is very broad and very simple, but I think it's worth noting. Our world is getting more, not less complex. 
what we thought was kind of an inconvenient interruption to our normal life in 2020 with COVID. And we thought maybe that would go away in the summer or the, the fall or maybe by Christmas or by next summer or by next fall or by next Christmas. We continue to navigate the reality of COVID in our world, the pandemic world. Um, again, Chad got COVID this week, and so we had a whole bunch of things to kind of shift around. Um, but I remember last summer in July, if you were around at all, um, all restrictions lifted, if you remember that. It was like a glory month. All restrictions lifted, uh, cases were low, everyone was excited to come back to church. It was packed in here, it was amazing, it was beautiful, and we all thought like we're out of the woods, right? Like we, we're done with that. And then, of course, Omicron's uh, cases went up, restrictions came back down, then they left, then they came back. And we've been on this kind of back and forth for a very long time. It's been complex. There's been more decisions, more conversations, more things to navigate. But not only that, our environment is also changing. It feels like every single season we get record-breaking weather events, like record-breaking snow or heat or rain or wind or whatever. Like there's always something going on, it feels like, with our environment where it used to feel even a little bit more stable than now. And again, while that used to just be a, a minor inconvenience to our holidays when it was smoky or when there was fires or whatever, um, there, those events are beginning to touch down in our everyday lives a little bit more. And I would argue that they will continue to do that going forward. Our world is getting more, not less complex. And this is not to mention any of the cultural issues that are complex around gender or sexuality or racism or whatever you are reading about or listening to in the news. We do well to come to, to terms with the fact that our world is complicated. It's complex. And we need wisdom to navigate it well. As much as we would like to go back to like a pre-pandemic world where it felt like everything was, you know, simple and easy, um, that's not the reality for us. And we do well to come to terms with that and, and just brace ourselves for the complexity of life in 2021 and beyond. Secondly, though, and more specific to the church, church engagement has changed over the last year. Most churches, again, thought by fall 2021, uh, things would be kind of back to normal, especially when restrictions lifted in July. Um, all churches I know, including us, were targeting the fall as sort of like, yeah, summer people are on vacation, but everyone's going to come back in the fall. Everything will kind of relaunch. It'll sort of feel like a normal year again. Um, but that obviously didn't happen quite as we expected. Kerry Newhoff, uh, he's a former pastor. He writes a lot. He's actually a Canadian. He has a number of statistics around the Canadian church. And he says that most churches now are somewhere between 30 to 60% of their pre-pandemic engagement levels. 30 to 60%. He also notes that one in four churchgoers pre-pandemic are not returning at all. Somewhere in the last couple of years, um, people, some people just checked out. And we've seen that here. We've experienced that here, and there's a number of reasons for it. Um, won't get into all of them, but we've, we've called people, we've checked in on people, and a number of them have just checked out entirely. A number of them have moved away. A number of them have moved to different churches. Church engagement is shifting. So for all of the outrage around churches, quote-unquote, shutting down, or that church was essential, people just did not come back to church in droves like we thought maybe they would when restrictions lifted. 
But on the other hand, in the last year, we've seen more new people than ever check out our church. It's not all bad. Um, We've seen more new faces here at the house than ever. And this is not just unique to us. This is all churches. And maybe you've had a moment or an experience like that in the last few months where you're sitting here and you've been here for a few years and you're looking around and you know no one. Um, We've had Sundays where we're like, is this our church? Like, what happened to our church? Because um, somehow it totally changed in the last couple of years. It's as though coming out of COVID, many people reevaluated and reexamined if the faith community they were a part of was where they wanted to remain a part of. And many decided that it wasn't. And so there's this big kind of shift happening with people moving around from different communities. Maybe, though, the most significant factor impacting church engagement over the last year has been the ongoing new reality of online church. If you remember, if you're with us, in 2020, March, we shifted completely online. Restrictions came, we weren't able to meet, and so everything was online. And online church became necessary for us to stay connected, to have kind of a central gathering point, an anchoring point in your week and our week, and to stay connected as a community. But in the last year, it's become more complicated because we've returned back to in-person gatherings and yet, even now, we're streaming online and we have a number of people who join us online and so we're kind of doing both at the same time. But how people engage online has also changed. It's not just the fact that we have online options for people, it's how people engage with online services. Um, I looked this week at our, kind of our average watch time for the past year which like rarely do we ever look at kind of like our analytics or our stats or to see like who's watching when, are they watching, where are they watching. Um, But once in a while we do. I looked this week at the last year. And so the average watch time on our website, which is where most of our community joins us, is 33 minutes over the past year, which I don't know how that strikes you. Maybe like that's a lot, maybe that's not much. Um, Our services are typically just over an hour, an hour 15 at most. Um, On Facebook, it's, uh, and we stream on Facebook, and maybe you've seen that if you've liked us on Facebook and you're, you're scrolling through and, and we're streaming live there, um, the average watch time is under seven minutes. <laughs> so that's like people, they're scrolling and then they accidentally click on the live stream and they're, ah, dang it, and they keep scrolling. I think there's a lot of those. That happens to me all the time where it's like an accidental click and that like brings our watch time down. But Facebook is so distracting that it's hard to stay totally in with us. Um, for some, online church is a really great option when you're traveling, when you're away, when you can't make a Sunday, but you want to be here and you want to stay connected, and that's amazing. Um, But the shift to online church has accelerated a trend that was there before the pandemic, a pre-pandemic trend of picking and choosing where and when and how you engage in a church. For some, this means that if they're just not feeling it in the morning, uh, and they, they planned on coming to join us in person, they, they might join us online instead, or they might decide to watch us later in the evening or something, kind of the archive service, or not at all. Um, for, for others, this means jumping in and out of multiple church communities. You can get the worship here, you can get preaching, you know, wherever you want, somewhere down in the States if you're into that, and uh, a midweek lecture at another church in town. You can kind of have a little bit of everything, all from the convenience of your home and the convenience of your schedule. Does that sound like a little bit of a marketing pitch? It's because 
Sadly, um, our church engagement over the last year has become more and more commodified, like a product you opt into or not, whenever it's convenient for you or not. And so let me be clear on this. I don't think having an online option is wrong. We've been streaming, we were streaming for years prior to the pandemic, our Sunday night service. We had an old camera set up and a couple old cameras and, and we did it every Sunday night and it was awesome. Uh, we know that many people will check us out online multiple times before they come in person. Like you flip through multiple services and decide, yeah, this is somewhere where I wanna plug in. And so you join us in person. We also know that many people just like our community and want to stay connected from afar. Last weekend, I was in Kamloops, and a guy came up to me randomly and just said, like, hey, are you connected at all to the house church in Kelowna? I was like, yeah, I am. He's like, oh, okay, I recognize you from the live stream. I watch you guys online. And so there's all sorts of really cool new opportunities that come from online church. It's not as simple as online bad and in-person Good, and we, we need to be careful with oversimplifying complex issues. But if I can give you a little bit of food for thought around your engagement and our engagement online, it would be this. We need to be really thoughtful about how we engage in church going forward. It's not wrong to have your favorite preacher that you listen to or a podcast or a church that you join somewhere else. Um, I have my own that I watch and listen to, and that's fine. But we need to be really careful that we don't reduce church down to content that we consume when it's convenient for us. Church is not just about content. It's not just about information and getting your fill. Following Jesus has always been about community. Something we do in community. Community is at the center of our faith. You cannot extrapolate community out of following Jesus. It just does not work. You cannot replace genuine community who hold you accountable, who support you, who are there in times of crisis, who pray for you. You cannot replace that with content. Content does not support you in a time of crisis. Content does not bring you a meal when you don't have one to cook. Content does not pray with you. All of those things come from being connected in community. And being connected in community is a spiritual practice, a spiritual rhythm. We think of spiritual practices or disciplines like reading our Bible or going to church or praying being connected in community is a spiritual discipline. Sometimes we feel like it. It's like going to the gym. Sometimes you feel like it and you're excited and other times you don't. But you go anyways because you know it's good for you. Content is not a substitute for church community. And the online church movement is not going away. So we need to be really thoughtful to think deeply about how we engage in church going forward, whether that's in person or online. And third, this one is shorter, I promise. Um, third, our devices continue to play a primary role in our spiritual formation. I feel like a tiny bit of a broken record talking about this again, but every year our phone use in particular goes up. Um, I remember when it was like insane to me. I remember reading st stats about like how the average person is on their phone like up to two hours a day. And it was like, what? Two hours. Um, some of you are feeling awkward right now. Um, the average has gone up to three hours or just under three hours a day. And that's just the average. I know there's many people who are on their phones much more, many people who are on their phones much less. That is the average. 
which means you spend, if you spend three hours a day on your phone, you spend a month and a half of your year on your phone. For a few years now, I've been saying that one of the biggest hindrances to a vibrant life with God, to our faith and how we follow Jesus, is not government control or secularism or something like that, some sort of external force. It's our devices. Um, and it's not all bad. Many of us use our phones for work or for connecting with people, and that's great. But there is a formative effect on our souls as we engage with our devices, in particular, our phones and what we consume. What we consume shapes us for better or for worse. Put another way, there's a quote I love that says, what you give your attention to is the person you become. If you give your attention to God, if you carve out time and space to be with him and to, to open scripture and to hear his voice, you will be shaped by those things. But the flip side is also true. If you spend all of your time scrolling through social media or the news or whatever it is that you prefer, you will be shaped by those things as well. And over the last year in particular, I have seen more and more people become so immersed, not just in social media, but in particular in politics. It's not wrong to engage in politics, but I've seen more and more people just become immersed and entrenched in a political ideology. Watch more and more people become outraged and bitter and callous and, and ungracious as they just dig so deep into whatever particular ideology you hold to. And this happens on every end of the spectrum. And the danger is that if we're not careful, Without even realizing it, we, be, we begin to find the story of politics, whatever political narrative is going on in, in the current day, we begin to find that more compelling than the story of Scripture. We become more invested and passionate about our politics than our faith. We begin to see the world through the lens of our politics and not our faith. And this is why I continue to harp on the significance of building in some spiritual rhythms to your life. Sometimes I hear people say things like, man, it's just so hard to find time to pray or to read scripture or even to come to church. And I'm actually more sympathetic to that idea now that I have a kid because it is hard at times to find quiet and to find time to pray or read scripture. It's not always convenient. It doesn't always fit into my schedule. But... If the average person is on their phone up to three hours a day, the problem is not time, the problem is priority. And just like we need to be really thoughtful about how we engage in church going forward, I would argue we need to be even more thoughtful and more careful about the role that we allow our devices to play in forming us, in our own spiritual formation what role they play in filling our minds with whatever it is you read and scroll through each and every day. So I'm not going to tell you how you should or shouldn't engage with your phone. I'll leave that up to you. But if I can leave you with a thought, it's this. What are you giving your attention to? What are you consuming on a regular basis? Is it true? Is it noble? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it praiseworthy? Is it excellent? Does it fill you with gratitude? Does it make you more gracious? Does it make you more kind and humble and teachable? Paul says, think about such things. Fix your mind on those things. 
And finally, I saved the best for last as the band comes, we're gonna prepare to close. Um, The last thing I'm reminded of and just reflecting on the past year is just this simple fact that the gospel is still the power to save. I think maybe in, in light of like church shifting completely online for a season and all the other crazy events of the last couple of years, maybe we lost sight of that. But I was reading Romans 1 this week and I was struck by this passage where Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is still the power to save. The good news of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is still the only thing that has the power to save us. And I'm reminded of this because we've seen people's lives transformed in the last year. We've seen the lights come on for people as they've opened their eyes and their heart and their minds to receive the good news, the gospel of Jesus, whether it's through Alpha in the fall or during a service here in person or online or in a community group, people's lives have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus. We had the privilege of baptizing 13 people since the fall, many of whom were not following Jesus or actively connected to a church prior to getting baptized. Despite everything that's happened in the past year, all of the, all of the events, all of the complexity, all of the frustration and confusion and all of the outrage, God continues to work in our midst. God is still at work. The gospel is still the power to save. He's still at work. He's still moving. He's still speaking. He's still redeeming. He's still saving. He's still mending us and healing us. He's still doing his work. He's at work in our community and he's at work in our lives. And so I wonder if we could just switch gears a little bit as we close. And I've talked a lot about maybe some of the things that we've learned here. But I wonder if you would reflect with me on your past year. I don't know what your year looked like besides some of the major events. Maybe it was a a great year coming out of 2020. You had a great last year. Uh, Maybe it was a really tough year for you. I don't know what that looks like. But I wonder if we could take a moment and just reflect on the past year. Again, often we're so busy, we don't do this. But if you just think back to last summer, last fall, Christmas, January, the winter shifted into spring, all that's happened. I wonder if you would just reflect with me. I'm gonna pray. We're just gonna invite the Spirit of God to, to reveal, to illuminate what he was up to in us personally. What is it that God was doing in your own life? What is it that God was uh, transforming and shaping and growing in you in the last year? Would you just kind of reflect and think back, look backwards for a minute with me? Jesus, we pause and reflect. We pause and reflect on the past year, a tough year, God, a heavy year for so many. Think about all that took place globally, locally, and then even personally. God, we know you are at work in our midst. We know you're at work in our hearts and our lives. And so, Spirit of God, we just invite you now to come bring to mind whatever it is that you were growing in us, whatever it is you were shaping, whatever it is you were teaching us. Do you just reveal and remind us of those things in this moment as we sit and wait and rest?
Thank you, God, that you're at work here. You're at work in our lives. You do not leave us. You're faithful to continue being with us, continue shaping us, continue transforming us more and more into your image. And so God, I pray that you would remind us even today, this week, as we pause to reflect, as we think back over the past year, all that took place, you would remind us and reveal where you were at work, your activity in our lives. And God, in this moment, we also pause just to reflect on what it is that you're inviting us into going forward. We think about this summer, we think about the fall ahead, think about the year ahead, and we pray, Holy Spirit, would you just reveal what it is you're inviting us into? Is there a, a relationship? Is there an opportunity? Is there a, a new job? Is there some sort of new thing that you are inviting us to step into? Would you just bring that to mind even now for us? as we sit and wait and rest. What is it, God, you wanna do in us personally? What are the areas that you wanna work in us? What are the areas of growth that we need your spirit to come and empower us to live out? Thank you, God, that you are faithful to us. You are good, you're kind, you're gracious towards us as we stumble and fall again and again and again. Your arms are open. And so God, we just rest this morning in your faithfulness, thinking on the past year, we're here, we're breathing, we're alive, we're in your presence. And so we rest and we thank you for your goodness, for your presence with us. We pray, Lord, you would empower us as a community to step into whatever it is you have in front of us. For each of us personally, God, if there's an opportunity, a relationship in our neighborhood or in our workplace, in our family, that you would give us the ability, the courage to step into that. In the areas of growth personally, God, would you help us say yes to your work in our lives. We thank you for this moment in Jesus' name.